Hey everyone, welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. I hope this show finds you safe and well. DCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes, as well as, obviously, their recent or upcoming video games. In this episode, I talk with Gianpaolo Vernocchi from Destiny Bit about Dice Legacy, a city-building game that combines survival and roguelike elements along with dice and ring worlds. For more information about the game, check out the links in the description below on YouTube or in the show notes for this episode on darkstation.com. There you can also find the original Darkcast as well as other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. And welcome back to Darkcast Interviews. I'm Jonathan Miley. Joining me today is Jean Paolo, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I don't want to butcher it. Jean, <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, amidst the craziness that is in the world, um, it's I feel like podcasts and just a lot of things that you know are recorded and kind of stored. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting time to go back and, and look on in the future. Um, it feels, we, we were talking a little bit about it before we started recording, but it feels both nuts that we're sitting here talking about video games, um, and also it's great and we definitely need to celebrate, you know, and, you know, just talk about other things that aren't the, the nutsness, the craziness, what I don't know. There's not, I don't think there's a crazy word like crazy enough for just all the stuff that's going on, uh, on yeah. planet earth in 2020. Yeah. I, I was, um, I was recording, uh, the intro to, to my own podcast, which I'm not going to plug, uh, but, um, you can absolutely plug it if you want to, well, I'll, I'll even put it in the links, uh, for people to check out in the show notes. Well, thank you. I, I, I do a podcast called BizDevQuest, which talks about the business of, of video games. Uh, and I recorded the intros of two episodes two weeks apart. And like the first week was right after the cancellation of GDC. And I was like, man, uh, you, you know, in the intro, it was like, you know, my heart goes out to everyone affected. Uh, these are some crazy times. Uh, stay vigilant. And two weeks later, um, I record the the intro. And now my country in, is in lockdown. I'm from Italy. Uh, my country's in lockdown, the, the world is going crazy uh, and stuff like that. And so as I was recording it, I was like, man, <laughs> this is like if somebody goes back and, and re-listens to all of these in order, it, it's it's probably going to – I don't know what kind of story they will see, but yeah. you know, maybe they will see the dissension or, or the ascension. But these are going to be some, some, some crazy times. I saw a guy making uh, a joke on Twitter, which was pretty on point, that um, – it's like we're leaving audio notes for other people to find, like in that's video what, games. That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> you know, so uh, oh, yes, yeah, it, it, absolutely. It I always like thought, that. always thought those were unrealistic, but we are actually making them right now. Uh, that oh, yeah. is nuts. I, 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 
I like. I, I don't actually like it. It's not a good thing. But I do kind of like the the pictures that you'll see on Twitter where it's like, man, video game uh, environmental artists had it right all along. And, you know, it's it's people spray painting like COVID-19 on the sides of walls and like stay home, you idiots or COVID idiots or whatever they're saying. Um, and it's just like, wow, yeah, I guess I guess people actually would do that uh, in the apocalypse. Yeah. Video, video game designers were right all along. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um. But on on from that, so um, obviously the the world is crazy, and uh, we're again we were talking a little bit about it uh, beforehand. But you guys are doing okay. Uh, how many people do you have at uh, Destiny Bit? So the internal team is four people, okay. uh, but we work a lot with um, external contractors. Gotcha. Uh, and there we go up to say ten people. It's okay. kind of hard to count. Sure. So, but everybody with the team is is doing okay right now. Everybody's safe and and healthy. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Everybody's safe and healthy. Uh, one one good thing about uh, Destiny Bit is that we are a hundred percent remote team. Okay. Um. So really, nothing has changed for us. Um. We are already all working from home. Uh. We're scattered. Uh. You know, the core team is scattered across Italy. Uh. The rest of the team is all over the place. Uh. Some people are in Texas. Some people are in uh, Latvia. So um. Uh, you know, everybody so far is, is doing okay. Video games in general, as a as a sector, so far doesn't seem to have taken too much of a hit. Uh, we'll have right. to see with uh, physical hardware how that's gonna change. Sure, that's. Uh, I feel like that's been a, a concern ever since like January because because this started in in China. Um, you know, a lot of our manufactured electronics come from there, or at least parts of them do. Um, so I know that I think Sony put out something in like February about like potential shortages or slowdown on production of, of things. Uh, so who knows how that's going to be? Hopefully, a lot of people will be, um, you know, continuing to support their favorite developers through digital and, and all that kind of good stuff because. I don't think there's anything that is released physical these days that's not digital as well. So you can still go out there and get your video games without actually having to interact with uh, other people physically, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but uh, but so okay, so you got four people on the team. Um, how long have you guys been around? Oh lord, um, it, the company itself was founded in 2016. Um, and me and my co-founder have been working together since 2012, okay. so it, it, it's quite a while. Um, the 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 first game we released as Destiny Bit was in 2018. We released a game called Empires Apart, uh, which is an old-school RTS inspired by the classics such as Age of Empires 2, Empire Earth, Stronghold, all that good stuff. Uh, and uh, so we made that game in, in 2018. The core team back then was just three people, and now we're working on Dice Legacy, and now the core team is four people. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, so strategy game there, strategy game here. That seems to be your guys' kind of wheelhouse. Is that uh, um, passion? or? So that is interesting because um, it, it, we sort of like – found ourselves here, uh, but it wasn't very deliberate. Okay. Um, here's why. So we have a very, very strong 
philosophy as a company, um, which uh, is based on two pillars. Pillar number one is we want to make games with a strong hook. So we must sell you the game in one sentence. And by sell you, I know I I mean journalists, I mean gamers, I mean uh, colleagues, I mean anybody. You know, uh, nowadays. Um, the main problem for us developers is that there's too many good games coming out. So standing out is becoming more of more of an issue. And so our philosophy is that whatever we do uh, in one sentence, you must go, whoa, okay, tell me more. Uh, and the other the other pillar is that um, every one of our games must tell stories, must be a generator of stories. I'm I'm a very big believer in sort of like games as tools. Uh, and you could also probably spin it uh, as in games as toys in the sense that I, I'd rather just build a box of tools and give it to the player and let the player build his own stories with them and have its own fun and, and play in his own way. Sure. So um, it, when we when we did Empires Apart, um, we, you know, there's obviously a passion for strategy games. Uh, Age of Empires 2 is one of my favorite uh, strategy games of all time, not only is, is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, but uh, back then it was like, you know, actually being in a land party with a bunch of friends and be like, man, you know, Age of Empires 2 is, what, 15 years old and there hasn't been a new one in, in 15 years? Come on, man. <laughs> and so that's that's how the, the game started because we know that would have attracted anybody's attention back then. Um, and uh, with this new game, Dice Legacy, um, it was also strategy, uh, but again, it wasn't deliberate. It, it was it was more of like, uh, hmm, uh, you know, it, it would be fun to make a game with dice. Uh, city builders uh, are, are a fun genre. Uh, they are pretty popular right now. Uh, wouldn't it be fun to mash the two things? Uh, and so we are right here right now. I, I got to say, you know, in my head, in my, let's say, drawer, there's a bunch of other ideas for other games. Uh, and they're all strategy or strategy adjacent. Okay. Um, but uh, I... I don't know if we'll always stay here. You know, we don't want to, uh, we don't necessarily want to be the strategy studio, but sure. uh, here we are. Okay, very cool. Uh, now, you mentioned that you and the uh, the other co-founder for Destiny Bit have been working together for almost a decade now. Uh, what, uh, what, was life um, what was life previous to uh, Destiny Bit? Um. So I was uh, I was still in video games. Uh, I was uh, in an Italian studio called Just Funny Games. Um, we were working mainly on uh, mobile games back then. Uh, I actually started working super super young. Um, I was uh, I was working first in board games uh, when I was uh, fourteen. Um, I I helped with games uh, such as Wizards of Mickey, which was back then a collectible card game, kind of like Magic, but was uh, with a Disney IP, uh, where basically it was like mages uh, with uh, Mickey Mouse and and um, all those characters. Um, and so I was in board games for a while, and then moved on to video games. Worked with Crescent Moon, worked with Just Funny Games, and then eventually uh, met Simone, which is my co-founder. Uh, and we founded together Destiny Bit. Uh, we met uh, each other playing online, of course, um, and uh, playing online a super obscure game uh, called Urban Terror, uh, which was a mod for Quake 
three, I think, uh, um, because at some point, you know, it spun off into its own thing. Uh, but I think it was a mod for Quake 3, uh, okay. and I used to play that game because it was the only, like, one of the very few free games that was available on Mac. Uh, so we met each other through that, and, um, uh, you know, he was he was in... Um, he was into programming, and it turns out that he was a a, a genius. Uh, I, you know, I always say, you know, you will meet one Steve Wozniak in your life, and I, I was lucky enough to have met sort of like my Steve Wozniak because you know that was completely by chance, and he was incredibly great and at uh, tech and at programming, uh, and I was more on the art side and creative side, uh, and so we we met each other and and we started to make games together. Uh, and that's how Destiny Bit was born. Awesome, fantastic. So I guess we should we should talk about your new game then, because uh, that's I guess you know history leading to now, uh, Dice Legacy. I guess start off with the elevator pitch. What is this game? Well, Dice Legacy is a survival dice based city builder set on a mysterious ring world. Um, so. Uh, the idea of Dice Legacy is to merge a survival city builder, kind of like Frostpunk, kind of like Banished, uh, with Dice, with mm. board games, with tabletop games. So, uh, like I said in the beginning, I had a, uh, I have a background in board games, and I and I absolutely adore board games. Uh, and um, you know, in video games so, so far. Uh, there has been a lot of borrowing from board games, um, especially from card games. We had mm -hmm. Hearthstone, which borrowed heavily from Magic the Gathering and all the other CCGs. Mm -hmm. And then sort of like video games discovered um, deck builders uh, and uh, games like Slay the Spire became pretty popular. And those games are inspired by other games such as Dominion. Uh, and uh, I always saw dice as this very fun thing to play with. Uh, there's there's something so cool about, you know, just chucking dice. Uh, and uh, video games so far have pretty much neglected dice. Uh, we had uh, Dicey Dungeons uh, last year, which was pretty cool. Uh, but can you name me other games with dice? I can name another one, which is Parsons. There, there was the dice minigame in The Witcher 1 and 2. Which was then yeah. replaced by Gwent. That's that's about as far as I go with dice. That's... <laughs> yeah, and and so the idea the idea was like, man, dice are so cool. But you know what would be cooler to force dice together. So, mm. uh, what if we could assemble dice and how? Like the idea for the game started completely different place. The idea for the game started with uh, I want a game where people can uh, forge their own dice. There's going to be this global race to make the, the strongest dice possible, and it's all going to be linked together uh, by blockchain, of all things. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Uh, but eventually, uh, we were like, oh, um, it would be fun if uh, this was merged into a, into a city builder. And so, you know, you can have – oh, and, and everything came from there because the, when you have when – sort of when you sort of have um, an idea that makes sense – uh, a lot of the design work is sort of like automatic. Uh, if you if you're if you're saying I want to make a dice based city builder, then you're like, okay, so what are dice? Dice are people. Okay, so you're obviously gonna have a peasant die, and that peasant die is gonna collect resources. You're obviously gonna spend those resources to build buildings and stuff like that. So eventually, that whole concept evolved into what the game is today. Okay. Uh, the game is a city builder set on a ring world. 
um, you land, you arrive with your with your ship on the shores of this uncharted continent. Um, you settle in, you build your town center, you build your cookhouse, uh, and then you begin to explore. Uh, you will uh, find forests, mines, you will start to collect resources, uh, you will start to build buildings, and eventually you will meet uh, different factions that are inhabiting the, the ring. Uh, because in our craziness, we also threw in a bunch of story elements. Um, the game the game itself as a progression is a, is a roguelike. So basically, um, you will play the game as long as you can or until the ending uh, or endings. Uh, and uh, you will uh, do it all over again. And you will unlock rulers in between. So rulers are these characters that uh, you have at the beginning of the game, and they give you different abilities. Uh, and also, the idea is that you will forge dice, and you will bring these dice into future games. So you will have this die that you bring with you through multiple, multiple, multiple games, and you want to keep this die uh, getting better. You want to keep this die alive and stuff like that. So this is more or less uh, the idea for the game. Okay. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I guess first and foremost, uh, this is a ring world. So is, is this Halo is this is huge departure? Is This why Halo six has taken so long. This... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, also like the idea of the ring world completely disconnected from Halo. Uh, like, uh, I, it just happened, but at the same time, after doing it, uh, we were like, Oh, of course this makes so much sense. But, but then we also went like, huh, can you like, Aside from Halo and like classic sci-fi from the seventies and seventies at the eighties, I can't really name that many games with ring worlds in them. So yeah, no, I, I think Ring World cool. and Halo. I think that's that pretty much exhausts the the list of ring worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, but yeah, no, that was a that was a crazy idea that uh, come came from our concept artist. Um, okay. Because so initially the game had a free camera. It was just a plane. You could move everywhere. You could just move your camera around like it's like it's Settlers or Banished or any other game. But the camera was always in the way of the action. Um, you you had to manage your city, and the game is only in real time. So you put down mm. a die, and a timer starts, and you sort of like leave that die there for a while, and then you go do another thing somewhere else. It feels kind of like a, a light RTS. Okay. So. Uh, when you put your die there and you go do something else, you always you, the camera was always in the way. You always had to move and stuff like that. So our concept artist uh, uh, was thinking of other ways to represent this. So we were thinking, oh, let's just do maybe a lazy Susan or let's do a a curved world where it's like a dome and stuff like that. And eventually we were like, oh, we can do a ring. And that completely removes the problem of the camera. The camera is always fixed and you just grab the world and move it back and forth. Uh, okay, and uh, and that basically completely solved the camera problem, uh, but opened up so many possibilities. Uh, again, it's just about this thing about good ideas leading design everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the idea was like, oh, it's a ring world. So maybe the ring world has interesting rules because if it's a ring world, and that might, can play into the story of the game. And so when you arrive with your ship, it assumes that you're coming from somewhere else with that ship. Uh, so where are you coming sure. from? Uh, and stuff like that, um, and uh, and and also, you know, it it gives you a very clear progression because you start on one shore and you're progressing forward and you're moving toward a goal. So, I think, uh, yeah, that I think that's all pretty cool and it's all 
credit to our concept artist. His name is Scott Pellico. He's just amazingly talented. Awesome. Um, so as, as far as the ring goes, is, uh, you mentioned that this is a roguelike. So are things being procedurally generated every time you start the game? Is the ring a little bit different? Is the train of it different? How does that all play into the... Yeah, uh, there are some parts of the ring that are fixed. Okay. Uh, basically, the start and the end of the ring are fixed, but everything that is in the in the middle is going to be procedurally generated. So every game is going to be uh, different in that regard. Okay. And you also mentioned uh, Survival City Builder, and you gave some good examples like Frostpunk and uh, Banished, but I feel like there's probably a pretty good chance that there are plenty of people out there that haven't played either one of those. So can you talk a little bit about what a survival city builder actually is? Sure. Uh, so when most people think city builder, uh, they think of SimCity. And um, SimCity is sort of like the epitome of, of uh, it's like the, the pinnacle of sandbox games because it really is a sandbox. You just build your city. You just give in money and you just build your city. Yeah, sure, sometimes you have traffic, but... It's kind of hard to lose in SimCity. Um, that genre eventually evolved uh, into games like Banished, where basically it's the same concept. You build your city and you tend to your people, uh, but there are survival elements to it. Uh, usually is represented by, let's say, weather. So the winter comes, people start to freeze, people start to starve, and you have to uh, keep your city going. In Frostpunk, uh, there's uh, there's political tension. Uh, you're always racing because the world is freezing, and you're so you're always trying to keep your people alive. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what happens here in, in Dice Legacy, um, you have natural things to deal with. So, for example, fires, uh, for example, the winter as well. Uh, but you also have other factions to deal with. Uh, so you might find, you know, villages of, of very weird people. You might find uh, a whole city of very weird people uh, known as the others. And, uh, and you will have to deal with them as well and not only keep your city functioning and alive, but also, you know, defend it from what, it, from what it's out there. Okay. Very cool. So you've got the, uh, you've got the roguelike elements, which I assume... What causes you to die and have to restart? Is it your entire population? Is it you as a ruler dying? What what causes you to have to, to go back to the beginning? So currently you lose if uh, your town center is destroyed or if you lose all your dice. Uh, all your dice. So your dice okay. are your people. So if you run out of people or, or your town center is destroyed, the game is over. Okay. So we've got the, the roguelike elements. We've got the survival um, city building elements. And then we've also got the dice that we're throwing into this. Uh, from the trailer, it I don't know, I, I didn't get a good sense of, like, rolling dice, uh, and you kind of talking about it, your dice being the people and stuff like that. It almost, it sounds almost like a dice deck building game in some ways. Can you talk more about that? Because, I, I don't know, my, my brain's not fully wrapping around, <laughs> around the die. <laughs> it's, it's fine. So, it is a very new concept. So, um... It requires a little bit of adjustment for, for to in order to be understood. Uh, it is a, a dice-based game uh, where your dice represent your people. So you will see in the trailer that are different colors of dice. So uh, yellow dice are peasants, green dice are citizens, uh, purple dice are monks, and so and so on and so forth. Um, all of these dice have different faces, and these faces are uh, the actions that these dice can perform. Uh, so, uh, for example, the peasants have the gather action, which allows them to gather um, resources and stuff like that. So uh, the way the way the game works is you start with a bunch of peasants die, and uh, all of the all of them have the same faces. 
um, you use them and eventually you will get access to citizens. Citizens have similar faces for the most part, but also have unique faces to them. Uh, and uh, and eventually we'll get access to monks, which also have unique faces. And these unique faces allow them to do specific things. So what you're doing is you are growing your pool of dice uh, and you are deciding which dice you want to add to your pool and how you want to build your society. Do you want more soldiers in your society? Do you want more citizens in your society? What kind of society do you want to build? And that's all represented loosely by dice. It's sort of like an abstraction of people. Now, eventually, when you get into the dice forging part of the game, uh, you will be able to forge these dice together. So, for example, you'll be able to take a soldier and a peasant, uh, forge them together, and create this soldier-peasant die, which has the faces of both parents, let's say, uh, and it's more powerful than the, than the parents, um, and also has traits. So this die will do something different, like, for example, being immune to wounds or being immune to freezing and stuff like that. Um, so there is a customization aspect, uh, to your dice. You, you were saying, uh, deck building or, or dice building and stuff like that. There is a little bit of that. So when we said that we wanted the dice to be the protagonist of the game, we really wanted the player to grow attached to them, uh, and, and have them be, you know, his own representation, his own city, uh, Again, it comes back to the origin to 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 board games, and in board games, you know, games like uh, let's say Agricola and stuff like that, you have a bunch of stuff in front of you, and you're building this stuff in front of you, uh, and uh, you have like these little tokens that represent your people, and you have them go around and do stuff. But those tokens, you know, are just wooden tokens. You can't do much with them because you're limited by the the fact that you know it's a wooden token. You can't you can't do much with it. <laughs> so uh, the fact that we have virtual dice it means that we can do everything we want so we can give them traits we can uh, you know we can give them statuses we can forge them and stuff like that so uh yeah that's more or less uh, how how it works i hope it's clear i think so um but as so is is there actually any rolling of dice oh yes okay. sorry okay. that was that was the first thing you asked. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I went through this whole tangent. Um, absolutely, there is rolling of dice. If you're familiar with uh, Yahtzee, um, that's pretty much how the game works. Okay. So in, in, you roll your dice, uh, and uh, you can use them around. Uh, after you use the die, the die will come back exhausted, mm. and you will have to re-roll that die in order to make it um, viable again, in, okay. so to make it usable again. Uh, you can also lock some of your dice. So you can, let's say, you you really like that that soldier face that has the the combat. Uh, so you want to lock that die, and so that means that that die now does not roll. Uh, and so you can save that face for later. And if you want to use it, uh, you can do so. Uh, now, uh, one question that might pop up in the in the listeners' uh, mind is, uh, well, can you just roll forever? Like, what is the strategy in just why can't I just roll forever and get the, the, the results that I want? Uh, well, dice have uh, durability. Just okay. sort of like uh, their health points. Every time you roll your dice, their durability goes down by one. Uh, and you restore durability using food. And so basically, you will have to be strategic in um, rolling your dice only when it's necessary or trying to make uh, the results you have work. You know, if, if let's say you, you rolled your peasant and your peasant had uh, gather, but you really needed work. Uh, you might be like, okay, I, instead of putting you on a farm now, I'm just going to put you to cut some wood because uh, it's 
you know, probably better right now, so I'm just going to do that. Uh, and uh, and so that's that's how the management of rolling and re-rolling works. Okay. So basically rolling determines what action the uh, the person, the, the dice is going to do, or what what do the different sides of the dice actually determine uh, when they roll? Yeah, so the the faces of the dice are those are the actions that they can do. Okay. Uh, so uh, most of these actions are common to uh, most dice. So for example, every class of die can explore. Uh, so you can use the explore face on uh, an unknown uh, location to explore it and and see what's there. Uh, you can use the gather action to uh, gather wood from a forest or um, a mineral from a mine uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, the faces are the actions. Uh, we call them sort of like the verbs. So <laughs> gather, explore, uh, fight, uh, work, uh, and stuff like that. And then there are unique actions that are unique to certain classes of dice. So monks can pray, uh, soldiers can raid, um, uh, mer merchants can trade, and so on. Very cool. Um, so... Let's see. I'm trying to figure out where I want to go from here because this this is it sounds really cool, but there's just like a lot of stuff. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> um, I guess one question is, yeah, you, know, you mentioned SimCity, uh, but I guess another kind of strategy game, city building ish, uh, style game would be something like Civilization. And you mentioned the rulers that you can unlock, uh, and that kind of re reminds me of the you know the various leaders that you can play as in, in Civilization. And it kind of determines how you might want to play. Uh, is that is that an apt comparison? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so basically the idea of rulers is similar to um it, the comparison that I it's kind of weird, but the comparison that I make is to the ships in uh, FTL. Okay. Uh, so the game is always the same, but the, the, the ship configuration that you have makes it slightly different. And so uh, you will have different rulers. These rulers will have different starting conditions. So mm. one ruler might start, might start with, let's say, six peasants. Another ruler might start with, let's say, four peasants and two soldiers and stuff like that. Uh, and then every ruler has an ability. Uh, and we call these the wager abilities. Uh, and they are wager abilities because um, they are based on what you roll. So if at any point, let's say the ruler, uh, let's say one of the rulers has uh, that his ability triggers every time you roll three swords, so three combat. So basically that adds a new layer of strategy into how you manage your dice. So do I want to keep rolling to try to trigger my wager ability or do I want to wait and stuff like that? But yeah, the idea was to basically encourage replayability and also encourage Customization again. It comes back to that box of toys. Uh, there's going to be different rulers. Everyone is going to have its own play style, and I just want to, you know, give you the chance to play this game however you want. Sure, sure. Um, so, in in the vein of that, of kind of playing however you want, are there different paths you can take? Can you be a uh, full-on combat? I'm going to attack everybody that I, I see. Can you go more of the uh, religious try to convert people over to you or technology route is it I guess I mean all that kind of stuff is maybe a little more uh, civilization-esque is there uh, no guess... you're spot on okay you're spot on actually um, so uh, there are various um, paths you can take um, we're still trying to uh, balance out uh, how much these paths are sort of like uh, basically, if you go down one path, it's difficult to to go uh, down another. Uh, but the idea that the idea is that you can try to be more economic, more religious, or more um, 
militaristic. So these are the three main paths that are in the game. So you can try to just destroy everything you see or try to trade with people uh, or try to have religious interactions. It's not really conversion uh, because, um, again, that plays more into the, the story of the game. Okay. Uh, but, um, but yeah, we, we, do, we do have all of, those, uh, all of those things. There's also technology in the game, so you can unlock new buildings. Uh, you can uh, pass decrees. Decrees are sort of like laws that you pass, and, and that alters uh, how your society uh, functions a little bit. So, uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, there's plenty of that. Okay. And then uh, kind of going back a little bit to the, the roguelike elements, you mentioned that some die you'll be able to carry with you through multiple playthroughs. Uh, what all is kind of being carried through on a, a different playthrough? Because various games that use the roguelike moniker take different elements from, I guess, that genre. So what what all is in, what all roguelike elements are in Dice Legacy? So we, we focus on unlocking rulers uh, and we focus on carrying dice with you. So the idea is that um, the dice that you forge, we call them constructs, uh, you can sort of like save them. Uh, if you manage to to save them during a playthrough, uh, they will become available uh, during a following playthrough. Uh, and uh, and so basically, every face of a die can be empowered, and every die can be forged, and you can have traits and stuff like that. So there is a, a, a very high degree of customization that you can have with dice. And so our idea is uh, we let you play, play through the game um, Take your best die, bring it with you in the next playthrough, and and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that also means that you are risking that die. It's sort of like you're, uh, you know, because if something goes south during a play uh, playthrough and you lose that die for whatever reason, that die is gone forever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's uh, it's basically like you're bringing a piece of equipment that you're keeping leveling up through various playthroughs, uh, but there's always the risk that you will lose it. And so right. I think that's what it makes, uh, what makes all the thing like very interesting. Okay. And you also, you mentioned, um, you know, forging die. Uh, is that work kind of like a traditional strategy game? Does a, a, a bunker or a um, bunkhouse or whatever generate peasants? Does a monastery generate monks? How does that actually work? Yep. Yep. That's, that's, that's spot okay. on. And, uh, uh, exactly, uh, you know, what I said at the beginning of, uh, uh, the basic idea pushing the rest of the design, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of designs that I don't have to explain. Uh, <laughs> and so, because I think going back to our previous games, which was empires apart, uh, and, uh, age of empires, I think that, um, I do think that a game like age of empires is in the heart of so many people over, let's say Starcraft. Because Age of Empires is very visceral. Uh, you see a guy chopping down a, a tree, taking the piece of wood and bringing it back home. Uh, and that is super understandable for, for the average person. And, and you, I don't have to explain, what is Vespian gas? What is Vespian gas? I don't know. <laughs> I know it's green and I know it's valuable, but I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea, okay? What are crystals? Why, why do I use crystals to buy, to buy Zergs? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so the idea here is similar. So you have your monastery, and the monastery uh, makes monks. Uh, you don't really make monks. You you basically evolve your dice. So you take your peasant. Your peasant can become a citizen, uh, and so the die will evolve and and change its faces. And then your citizen can become a monk. Uh, and so there is this uh, sort of like 
tending to your dice pool again. So you 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 see what dice you want to keep, what dice you want to evolve, and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it, it does work a little bit like that. Okay, gotcha. Uh, now you you mentioned the the previous game again, and I just want to ask if there's anything in particular that I mean I know these. These are obviously very different games, but they're also, you know, strategy and city building adjacent. Um, is there anything coming out of Empires Apart that, I don't know, rules or lessons or anything like that that you, you learn from that game that either have directly applied or just you know, things that you didn't want to do? Anything like that when you were approaching Dice Legacy? Oh, God. How many? <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, God. How long is this podcast? Um, as, as long as it needs to be, honestly. That's, <laughs> um, I've got all the time in the world. So um, one thing that I was saying in, in a previous podcast that I was recording is that um, I, I've i recently, well, recently, in the last year and a half, picked up jiu-jitsu as a sport. Hmm. Um, and uh, jiu-jitsu is very interesting because it is a very, very humbling experience because you're getting choked by another human being. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and so it kind of puts you in your place. Uh, and so when I, was started, when I started jiu-jitsu, uh, I was getting tapped by uh, a 120-pound girl that was like half my height. Like she was, she would, you know, she was been able to break my arm no problem right there and then or choke me out, you know, put me to sleep. Uh, and, uh, and so I was a white belt. And... Um, when I when we made Empires Apart, I think collectively we were white belts, and we let we learned so many lessons uh, over over the course of of the, that development. Uh, now, uh, just like in jujitsu, I think we graduated to a blue belt, uh, and we are trying to avoid uh, many mistakes that we made uh, with Empires Apart, uh, and we're also trying to repeat everything that went right um, with Empires Apart. Mm. I okay. think. Uh, I, I think what uh, there there's many things uh, I, I I really like I really struggle to just point to one and be like yeah that's that's the main thing that we learned from uh, from the development of Empires Apart um, these are similar projects but also very very different projects for example this project is much more I would say design heavy uh, than Empires Apart was Empires Apart being very inspired by another title right. uh, it meant that our uh, margin for maneuver for maneuvering was pretty small. You know, we couldn't we couldn't go too much out and venture in the unknown because people would have then rejected the game as too uh, too different from Age of Empires. It's, it was kind of that very thin line of oh, if you are too different, you're doing it wrong. If you're too similar, you're doing it wrong. It's kind right. of a very thin line to walk. Uh, with this game, we're really having fun on the design side because this is such a new game, such a new concept. We're just uh, coming up with uh, with a bunch of new things, um, the team is largely the same. So I would say, you know, that for example, something that really worked well. Um, I would say um, we are still trying to um, we're trying to involve the community now with Dice Legacy, like we did with um, uh, with Empires Apart. Again, taking in the lessons from Empires Apart. So. Uh, what it means to have a uh, gajillion people always yelling in your face, uh, you know, this is wrong, change this and change that. Uh, there, I, I don't know, dude. It, there's so many things that I, I, it kind of feels like I'm giving you a super vague answer, uh, but <laughs> it there's just too many. Sure, sure. 
Understandable. Um, as as far as the community goes, uh, obviously there's there's more than just multiplayer when it comes to the community. Uh, there's discords and twitters and and forums and all that other kind of good stuff. Uh, but is there any multiplayer component uh, to uh, Dice Legacy? No, no, not okay. right now. Okay, not right now. You hadn't mentioned and, uh, it, so I didn't think so, but I figured, you know, might as well ask. You never yeah, know no, if you don't ask. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. Uh, that's something that we were considering at some point, but sure. um, we currently shelved that idea uh, for maybe, maybe in the future. But no, it's a strictly single-player experience. Okay. Very cool. Um, well, I think that does it pretty much for the game talk. Uh, before we move on to the end game, though, if you could just let people know uh, when and where they'll be able to to get their hands on uh, Dice Legacy in the future. So uh, currently we are aiming uh, for a summer release into early access. Again, coming back to involving people as much as possible. Uh, you can find Dice Legacy on Steam. I encourage you guys to uh, wishlist it and follow it on Steam. Uh, otherwise, it's at Dice Legacy on Twitter, Dice Legacy game on facebook i think and uh, the the website is uh, dicelegacygame.com uh so yeah very cool awesome all right so now now is my favorite part of the show uh because it's just super bizarre and I, I get to make people really nervous as they answer increasingly difficult and bizarre questions <laughs> um so the first one's very simple, uh, but that doesn't mean it's easy, and that's who's your favorite video game character? That can be a hero, side character, uh, it can be a villain, it can be a, a faction from your, your favorite strategy game, uh, I guess. So, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, again, so many, but when you you hinted at this question before recording the podcast, and my mind immediately went to Guybrush Thripwood, okay. uh, protagonist of my favorite video games of all time, which is uh, The Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, but if I had to give you uh, possibly two more, I would say uh, Solid Snake and Max Payne. Okay. Those would be my, my three. All right. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned three very uh, story-driven games. And, and earlier you were talking about creating <laughs> sandboxes for people to kind of create their own stories. Uh, so, so obviously you like playing uh, games with preset narratives. Why? Uh, you like playing some of them anyway, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not all the time. Is that something that's changed over time that now you play more uh, strategy games, more games where you can make your own story? Or is that, I don't know, is it just it has to be really good for you to like it? No, I, that's a fair question. Um, I, I was recently playing Uncharted 4 because I was incredibly behind and I, I played it only recently. So as I was playing it, I was like, this game is a nine. This is not for me. I, I sort of like outgrown I... that genre. Okay. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because uh, during uh, the PlayStation 3 era, Uncharted were some of my favorite games. Mm. Uh, but I think I have outgrown that that thing. Like uh, I now appreciate a lot more, let's say, a Bloodborne or a Dark Souls. They give you maybe a one-minute to two-minute cutscene. And then boom, you're right into the world. And now it's up to you. Maybe there's dialogue here and there and stuff like that. I appreciate more a game like, uh, let's say, a Skyrim. Um, 
uh, and among the games that I that I mentioned, like among the protagonists that I mentioned to you, uh, I, I say I appreciate more a Metal Gear Solid as a more systemic experience. Uh, so it's a game where I can still have fun with my tools. Like Kojima gave me my box of toys and, you know, he gave me uh, crawling, he gave me knocking on the wall, he gave me uh, the, the Nikita, the, the, the guided missile. You know, he gave me a bunch of toys to, to, to have fun with. And he also put in a very nice crazy story uh, with crazy characters, which I appreciate. I, I, I guess I am more driven to characters rather than I am to story. And so I appreciate a uh, snake and I appreciate uh, uh, um, a Max Payne. I appreciate a guy for three foot who is just an idiot. Um, but uh, yeah, I like my box of toys. So, it, but, but, but it was an evolution. Like you said, uh, I, I think um, I've always played everything, uh, but it, I, I now gravitate more towards systemic games where I can have fun with my toys. Very cool. All right. Um, so, I mean, you may have already answered this then. I, I'm not sure. But if you could play any video game again for the first time, uh, so you could have that first fresh experience again, you don't have to worry about it aging poorly or anything like that. But if you could just get that original experience over again, what game would you like to replay? I would say that it's uh, that is Metal Gear Solid 1. Okay. Um, not not, not uh, Monkey Island, which is my favorite game, uh, but there's many moments in Metal Gear Solid which I wish I could experience again for the first time. Uh, you know, <laughs> so cool. Such a cool game. Sure, sure, absolutely. All right, um, sort of the reverse of that. Uh, what is your blind spot when it comes to game? What is a, a game, uh, either a franchise, a, a single game, maybe an entire genre that is just completely out of your, your wheelhouse? It's something that you haven't played but you feel like you need to. Ah, that I feel that I need to. Um, that's a very specific question. Um, hmm, that's or interesting. May, maybe not necessarily that you personally feel like you need to, but it feels like everybody else maybe thinks that you need to. I have it. Yeah, Final <laughs> Fantasy. Okay. <laughs> Final Fantasy. Um, because I I didn't grow up as a PlayStation kid. Um, I, I grew up with the Amiga, which was this computer that was popular in Europe, not in the US. Mm. Uh, so I, for example, Final Fantasy VII is coming out and uh, one of my coworkers is going insane. He's going completely nuts. He's like, oh my God. And I, I, I don't have it. I don't have it, you know, and I don't have that boat. attraction to yeah. it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm sure it's great, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. It's like, oh, I'm sure, I'm glad you guys are happy. I, I don't care. I'm good. Oh, That's you want like, want another one? Sure. Uh, you want another one? Um, Kingdom Hearts. Mm. When I was in, I think it came out like the first Kingdom Hearts came out when I was in like middle school, and everybody was going insane. Uh, it's like, oh my god, it's Disney characters and Final Fantasy, and don't you see it's Mickey Mouse? Don't you see it's it's Goofy? And I'm like, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't see. Is it cool? Is it is it cool that it's Goofy and, and Mickey Mouse? I don't. I don't get it. I don't get the appeal. I really don't get the appeal. So I, I don't know. It's not for me. I don't know. I understand that one as well because uh, both of the things that those are, are drawing from, Final Fantasy and, like, mainline Disney characters, I don't care. I, I don't – like, if if Robin Hood, the, the Fox version, and Basil Baker Street from Great Mouse Detective were in there, then there would be some kind of draw for me. But, like, Mickey Mouse? I don't care about Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I feel you. I, I understand. I understand. So this is this is a safe place where we we can we can uh, encourage each other, and it's it's okay to to not okay. like 
Kingdom Hearts or care Thank about you. it at all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. All right, so moving on from that, what is a, a good trend in video games that you would like to see more of? This can be anything. It can be a gameplay thing. It can be something a studio is doing. Uh, it can be very prevalent, or it can be something that you've just noticed one game doing. Uh, but it's something that's good and you want to see more of in games. Um, that's a good question. Uh, what is that I want to see more in games? Um, I think uh, I think that now the the systemic approach to to gameplay is creeping into more and more games, uh, which uh, you know is is what I love. So I, I like to see that more. Uh, during again the PlayStation Three era, I think there was more of an attraction to cinematic experiences. Uh, but now you go to nowadays to a game, for example, like Control, and Control has many mechanics and tools and things you can play with. Um, and and so I definitely would like to see more of that. In general, I think I would also like to see, and I always appreciate when games do this, transparency. Uh, I like when the developers tell me what they're thinking and what they're wh where they're going and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I always appreciate when a studio um, is, is tries to be uh, as open as possible with the uh, uh, with the audience sure absolutely absolutely and, and to your point about uh more systemic stuff i mean i think you can even see that in in something like uncharted one through three versus four and lost legacy i mean they're not they're not crazy different but even just the small combat encounters that you come into with uncharted one through three it's pretty much like one way to do everything um, I mean, even the, the stealth missions in that, you know, you, you fail one time, you don't knock out the guy properly. It's, it's over, but in the, the, what, fourth and fifth one, you can actually kind of use stealth to your advantage. You can possibly skirt around one enemy encounter versus, you know, having to kill everybody. Uh, there's, there's a little bit more freedom and kind of systems in play, uh, rather than just a strictly linear approach to everything. So yeah. I, I think that is very true. Um, okay, so on the, the flip side of that, uh, what is a bad thing in video games, a trope per se, uh, that you wish you saw less of or just went away entirely? Oh, God, I should have prepared for these. Uh... <laughs> no, see, this I like make I like people stressing over this. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fun for me. So no, no preparation. <laughs> um, so what do I want to see games move away from? Um... Let me think for a bit. Sure. See, this mm -hmm. is also part of the reason that uh, this isn't live because we can just cut this out and you can. It sounds like you answered it instantly. Oh no, I I, I like to hear people struggle <laughs> and, and I, I yeah no I I think people should should know that I'm struggling with this. Um, um, uh. so I would like um. So okay, so here's a here's a, my, a gripe that I have with uh, a part of the industry, uh, but uh, I would like games to be less uh, me too ish, not me too in the sense of uh, harassment, uh, me too in the sense of uh, having to uh, repeat uh, other successes of other people in the same genre. So for example. Sure. Um, after Hearthstone, everybody had to have its own uh, card game. After right. League of Legends, everybody had to have its own uh, MM, uh, uh, Dota-style game. Uh, you know, I don't understand. 
I don't under like I see this in Hollywood and it's annoying and I don't understand why it's happening here as well. Like so many as this mostly happens in the big studios, but also this is a, a mistake that many, many of my peers make is that they see a game, they're like, oh, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it myself as well. You know, this me too mentality of of uh, oh, I wanna do the same thing but slightly different. Uh, which to me puts you in a uh, competition for execution. So are you sure? Are you sure you want to be the next Destiny? Are you sure you you want to compete with Destiny? You can be at that same level, right. because the chances of you getting there are very, very, very slim. Like some of the people that have been around for longer can remember uh, that there was a huge competition around uh, MMOs after World of Warcraft. Uh, you know, uh, the Lord of Rings have had an MMO. Mm -hmm. Conan had an MMO. Um, uh, there was Ultima Online, of course, but that was that was before. Right. Uh, but there were just so many MMOs coming out, and uh, many of them did not survive. Uh, can you can you remember all the Dota likes that came out? Uh, I remember a Crisis of an Infinite Earths. I think uh, I think it was from Warner, and it was all about um, uh, like DC superheroes. Yep. And Electronic Arts, uh, Electronic Arts, sorry, had its own one. Which I don't remember for for the life of me how it like the the name of it. Uh, I only know that it had a, a very interesting award mechanic that then League of Legends stole <laughs> and the other <laughs> game died. So I don't understand why our our industry uh, has to have this uh, me too mentality because again most like ninety percent of the times they tend to fail. So sure. um, I don't get it. I like I like that. A lot of people just like to say microtransactions because that's the the easy out there. Uh, but uh, no, I like I, that answer. That's a, good. I'm not angry at microtransactions. This is uh, I I I kind of want to debate this publicly with somebody. But, sure. Uh, yeah. Let's go then. Um, you know, Empires Apart is a free to play game and has microtransactions. Uh, I don't see microtransactions as a uh, evil per se. Mm. Um, it depends on how you implement them. Uh, it depends what you do. Obviously, probably. Let's say probably, not obviously, I would say probably, you know, pay-to-win games are worse than games where you buy only cosmetics. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't see uh, loot boxes as an evil. Uh, I don't see loot boxes as a problem, really, because, again, I come from a generation that used to buy Magic the Gathering packs. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I had these cards and nobody complained. Like, for the longest time, nobody complained. Uh, and they... they began to complain only when this mechanic was sort of like abused or misused. And because there are obviously, obviously bad examples of this. Like I, I have a hard time accepting loot boxes in a $50 game. If you, if you sell me a game for $50 and you put loot boxes on top of it and you wall a chunk of your content behind, uh, a, a, you know, additional money from day one, then yeah, I can see that that be you know that that can be annoying. But also we have this beautiful thing called capitalism, where you don't have to buy that game and you can just you know rally and be like, no, we don't want this. And luckily that apparently happened, and now companies are taking notice. But also what's happening now is that more and more companies are going with the um, with the season pass approach, with the with the not season yeah season pass approach, uh, which uh, is if they're going with that model, it's probably because it's more profitable. It's probably because more people put money into it. And so really it's uh, like uh, 
yeah, we we really don't we really didn't want the the evil quote unquote of of loot boxes, but now we got uh, season passes everywhere. So I don't know if we really won or not. Uh, I just think that uh, microtransactions allow more games to exist. One game that I've played a lot of in the last uh, few years, well. There's two games. I think most of my gaming time, or a lot of my gaming time, went to, to two games. One is um, Clash Royale, and the other one is Call of Duty Mobile. Recently, um, and uh, you don't. I, I I don't think I spent a dime in either one of those games. Uh, and uh, but those games can exist because you know microtransactions and all that. And and you don't have to buy them. I think this is the the best time in the world to be a gamer. Um, if you wait for Steam sales, there's always an amazing game for two bucks uh, <laughs> that you can pick up at any sale. Uh, like uh, games like Mad Max are for like five bucks. Uh, games like um, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, but I had it, it escaped me. Uh, but for example, like Doom 2016, you can find it for like eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine. Uh, you know, uh, it's such a good moment to be a gamer. So I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think we should complain too much about uh, the, the state of things. I like it. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. Sorry for the rant. That's okay. That's okay. That is, I am here to facilitate you talking about more than just the, the game that you're working on, but just ideas about games. And it's, this is this is good stuff. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, nice. So no reason to apologize. Um, all right, so second to last question it has nothing to do with video games, uh, but if you could try any other profession, um, so you're a co-founder and a um, creative director uh, at a video game studio, and that is awesome, but if you could literally do anything else, um, be a, I don't know, traveling food taster or an astronaut or whatever the case may be, if you could do anything, what would you like to give a shot? Uh, there's only another job that I would leave the industry for, uh, and that's, uh, uh, for a job in politics, but wait a minute. Uh, I, I really, really dislike the party system and all that sleaziness that goes into that. So I would only leave the industry for, let's say a super high top position, uh, as a, as a, I don't know, a, a very high politician that I have to skip the whole, <laughs> I, I, I want to skip the whole party thing because, you know, if you want to get into politics, you have to register to a party and that's, that's, I don't want to do any of that. Uh, but no, I have a very big fascination for, um, for politics and for essentially trying to find solutions uh, to people's problems. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the only thing uh, that I would do. I don't know if I would, I don't know how much I would last. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a sustainable career, and I don't think it should be. Uh, but um, sure. yeah, probably that. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Uh, now the the final question. Somehow you get to meet uh, Guybrush Threepwood, Max Payne, and Solid Snake, and you get to ask them each one question, and they respond. <laughs> what is their oh, que- What is your question, and how do they respond? Um. Well, I would ask Snake if uh, can love bloom on the battlefield, <laughs> uh, and he would probably answer, "Shut up." Um, I would ask uh, Max Payne, "Are we in a video game?" Mm. Uh, and uh, he would probably answer, um, uh, "I don't know. This is all a dream to me." You're uh, on Valkyr. And- shut up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, what I would ask Guybrush Threepwood. Um, I would ask him how much would 
uh, would a chuck chuck if a wood chuck could chuck wood? Uh, and he would probably answer me, um, well, a wood chuck, and that question is relevant because a wood chuck cannot chuck wood. And then I would ask him, yeah, but if a woodchuck could chuck wood, how much would you think a woodchuck could chuck? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would ask very topical questions to any of them and just to have a laugh at their answer. Sounds good. Well, congratulations. That is the end of the end game. You survived. Uh, that is that is always an achievement. Um, so that, that does it for our show as well. Jean, thank you so much for sitting down with me and chatting about... Dice Legacy, as well as a whole bunch of other things. Uh, if you could send us out by letting our listeners know once again when and where they can find out more information uh, about Dice Legacy. Yeah, once again, the best place uh, to go to is probably Steam. Uh, you can just look up Dice Legacy there. Uh, you can also find the link on DiceLegacyGame.com uh, or at Dice Legacy on Twitter. Uh, wishlist the game. Uh, make sure to follow it and uh, you will know uh, when more information about the game uh, is available. Fantastic. And there will be links for all that kind of stuff in the show notes for this episode. Uh, thank you once again for sitting down with, and uh, excuse me, thank you once again for sitting down and chatting with me. I wish you the best of luck as you guys finish up development to get, or I, I guess, get it to the point where it goes early access and then continue developing it with the uh, input of the community. And also just the best of luck. Uh, in the current craziness that uh, we exist in in the world. Stay safe, stay well, stay at home, and until next time, have a good one. Uh, thank you. Uh, have a good one, you too.